And you are listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. We've come into the second hour of our show, which means that we need to do a number of things. We need to read text messages. We need to have an amazing Bible study. But before we do those, we need to give you guys another question for the quiz. So here we go. In the book of Revelation, what did John eat? That may, I already said that one. Hey, let's read the next one. Okay. At whose feet were the garments of the men that stoned Stephen to death? Whose feet were those garments placed? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, you'll go into the draw to win our Revive Cafe cookbooks five and six. And in fact, I got a message from my good friend, Johanna. Johanna is my friend. She won one of the cookbooks and she said, totally recommend the butternut mac and cheese. I've made this a couple of times since winning the books. Thanks, Jeremy Dixon and Faith FM. So my friend, Johanna, she had won the books the last time we gave them away and she's been pumping out butternut mac and cheese and she's loving it. So guys, if you want to get in to win more amazing, well, these books where you have more amazing recipes, 0491-064-669 is the number to call. But again, that question was, at whose feet were the garments were sorry, at whose feet were the garments of the men that stoned Stephen to death placed? Where did they, they put their garments? Whose feet did they put their garments at? 0491-064-669. Also want to remind you guys, if you need any terms and qu- or conditions in regards to our qu- quiz, head to faithfm.com.au and we have all of our information there. All right, let's get into a couple of text messages this morning. There's one here that I want to start reading just straight away. As, as I read it, as my eyes glaze over it, I'm like, wow. This is this is just some truth being spilled out right here. Lawson is right. A fantastic thing to hear from the listeners. Lawson is right. Get those sincere compliments out there. Darren Morton puts this in his Live More Happy program. It makes you feel better when you see the other person's face light up. Thanks for sending that through, Suzanne. And this is totally true. I I can say 100%. People would love it if you complimented them. Obviously, there are people out there. Maybe you're one of those people that kind of find it weird or creepy or awkward and there's definitely situations in which it can be weird or creepy or awkward but for the most part to say something nice innocuous to people is fantastic and the other point that i was trying to make is that you fully have the ability to go and just start conversations with people this is like the main point that the study was making is that we intentionally limit ourselves in public from doing things that we think oh maybe is awkward or weird or isn't appropriate but We actually can do a lot of those things. There are things that just shouldn't be done in public. On the list of the top 10 things people want to do, they're like, yeah, I want to fart and burp in public. I'm like, that is terrible. That is awful. And no, stop. I've got nods from producer Shell. Don't do that in public. It is weird. But hey, in terms of complimenting people, in terms of talking to people, starting conversations, that can lead to amazing friendships. Go for it, I say. And we've got another text message here coming in from Brayden. He says, that information about fetal heart rate, such rubbish. I got to hear my son's heart rate, though I don't think it was at six weeks. It was an early enough that the murder c- 
community, oops, I mean the pro-choice community, would seem it okay to murder slash terminate. I recommend listening to Robbie's Faith Experiment podcast episode on Alicia's story. So touching, and it has such a positive story on how not going through an abortion helped save her. Now, I recognise that some of our listeners have some really strong views on this, and we respect Mm -hmm. that, and we're happy to share your thoughts here on The Breakfast Show. At the same time, we also recognise that we all have a past, we've all made mistakes, and uh, we have absolute uh, support for anybody, regardless of what their past is, and Mm. what the decisions they have made, or the decisions that they even stand by to this day. We're here to give you whatever support we can. And Mm. if, you know, sometimes we do talk about abortion from time to time, we know that this is a tough subject and people are dealing with some heavy issues. And if this is something that is triggering, 131114 is the number to call. Mm. Definitely. But at the same time, you know, call a spade a spade. Yeah. (laughs) All right, is that what we've got for text messages? No, well, you got some text messages as well. No, I don't. That's it. That's it? That's it. That's That's all we've got. That's all? What? Yes. Why are you talking to us, guys? You had some good things to say. I, per- I personally love the one that said Lawson is right. That, oh, you know, just just fantastic. Such a, such a you've made his day. Yeah. It, it rarely happens. I'm going to ride high on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's get into our Bible study today, and let's see what chapter we are looking at today. We've been going through the classics here. Uh, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 4 is where we are starting off. Mm, that's right. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 4, where the Bible says this. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Okay, so that's Satan's first lie right there. Mm. Uh, how effective a lie was it? A very effective lie. Okay. Yes, expand. Exp- oh, oh, it was very effective. I think that was the catalyst to make Eve think that, oh, actually, eating this fruit is something that's okay. Because the biggest limiting factor is that you will die. You don't want, nobody wants to die. No one wants to go through that, especially as a being who doesn't go through that. Like, who, who has no concept or understanding of death. Oh, of course, they would have had some concept of death, but they've got no experience in death. They've never seen anything die. And now they're being told, well, they've been told not to eat the fruit because they will die. And now Satan is saying, you won't die. Okay, so Satan was very, very successful with that first lie. Mm. Has he repeated it since? I believe so. And how successful do you think he might have been in repeating that lie ever since? Uh, I think it has changed the course of human history. What percentage of the world do you think believes that lie right now? A v- very large amount. Okay, so I'm going to go with 93%. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going, to, I'm going to go with 93% of the world believes that lie right now. Okay. And, and here's my reasoning behind it. So 7% of the world is made up of atheists, mm. and the rest of the world believes that you will never die, mm. apart from a small group of people who, you know, comparatively speaking, would say, no, you do actually die, but there's a resurrection. Mm. But let's think about it for a moment. Uh, if you, there's basically two theories as to what happens when you die from a spiritual perspective: mm. immortality of the soul or reincarnation. Mm. So, in the Eastern religions, you're going to have reincarnation. In the Abrahamic religions, you're going to have immortality of the soul, and that's pretty much the whole world. Mm. Uh, amongst your animist 
religions you're going to have reincarnation or immortality of the soul or a blend or a mixture of the two. Mm. And so that's only going to pretty much just going to leave people who believe in the resurrection, mm. which is remarkably small minority of the percentage of the world, it's pretty much going to leave those and atheists as the only ones who don't believe in this particular lie right here. So this mm. is the most effective lie that Satan has ever told. Now, what, what I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it could be as high as 95%. Why do I say that? The reason I say that is because I find a lot of atheists who are actually, if you, if you actually quiz them, you're like, yeah, no, we do continue on in some form. There is definitely something after death. Mm. There's, there's something out there. We don't know what it is. I'm like, well, you're not really an atheist. You're more of an agnostic if you're mm. going to take. But they you know, devoutly defend themselves as being atheists, and as a result in the research, they would be presented as being atheist, which is about you know, 7% of the population of the world. Mm. You have a very large percentage of the population of the world that is very, very minimally religious, mm-hmm. but definitely spiritual. Mm. So they don't have anything to do with any religion as such, but at the same time, they wouldn't class themselves as an atheist. Secular, definitely, but not an atheist because when it comes down to the subject of death, and this is probably the one place, this is the one place where they'll be like, yeah, nah, not atheist because there's something that goes on after death. Mm. And so the moment you introduce the supernatural into the equation, you have a person who is spiritual rather than a person who is an atheist. Mm. So Satan tells this particular lie right here. It's a doozy. It's the first one he ever tells. He's been telling it ever since, and it's Mm. the most effective lie he's ever told. Mm. We kind of need to find out uh, what does happen when a person dies. Is there immortality of the soul or is there resurrection? You can't have both because they kind of cancel each other out. So let's see where this Bible study goes today. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. All right, Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 is where we are heading to next. Romans 1 verse 18. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 as I turn my pages up into that book. It's it's like right on the other side of the Bible. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, the Bible says, But God shows his anger from heaven against all the sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Okay, so the Bible says that the suppression of truth is going to be a major issue throughout time, Mm. and particularly in the last days. Mm -hmm. Here's something that is interesting. The word soul and the word spirit. I mm-hmm. mentioned over 1,700 times in the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yep. And out of all of those references, there's not a single solitary one that says that the soul or the spirit is immortal. Mm. Not one. Wow. And yet there are so many verses that speak about the resurrection. Mm. You find the resurrection from one end of the Bible to the other, and yet you'll find the vast majority of Christians who will believe in the immortality of the soul rather than mm. the resurrection, or they will believe in both. But that's just really messed up because, really, which one is it? Yeah. There is- to have a resurrection, you have to have a death. That's right. And if you never die, and if you just go to be with Jesus the moment that you die, 
then what's the purpose of a resurrection? Exactly. What is it, you know, why do you need to come back to life if you are already alive? What benefit is this giving to you? What reason is there behind it? Particularly if you think, like, logistically, it's like, okay, so I die and my immortal soul goes to heaven, Mm -hmm. to which then there is a resurrection where my immortal soul goes back into my corrupted body. Mm. But then during my resurrection, when I'm floating into the clouds of heaven, my body is made immortal. So mm. I went from mortal to immortal to mortal to immortal. What's the point here? Yeah, that's right. Those. What's this actually accomplishing? A, a, a An immortal soul would completely just absolutely disrupt any notion or thought that there is need of a resurrection. Yes. Yes. And here's the really weird thing about that whole concept that you just mentioned right there. Mm-hmm. Which one is the better state to be in? Mm. Because if it is better to be an immortal soul than to be in a body, then why have a resurrection? Why go into the body? Yeah. If it is better to be in a body than to have an immortal soul, why wait? In fact, I'll say it like this. If Jesus had an immortal soul, like Jesus is God yes, who became yes, flesh. Yes, if Jesus if Jesus died on the cross mm-hmm. and in the soul, spirit, divine space that yes. is, you know, made uh, explained by people, if he went into heaven, what is the point of resurrecting? Yes. What what is the point? Why is how did Jesus he die? How did he die for our sins? Why is why is Jesus's resurrection the the power of God manifest? Yeah, his death, he sacrificed for us, definitely. But why need to be a resurrection? You could say, oh, so that he could tell everyone about it. Well, why couldn't Jesus come down from heaven as a as a soul, as an immortal soul, come down from heaven and say, hey guys, I resurrected, but here I am. Go and start the church. Why did he need to resurrect in body? In, like, and become, you know, resurrect in human body and talk to people and then ascend into heaven in human body. There's lots of questions here. Where lots it's like, of questions here. Whereas you and you look at just uh, the fact that a person dies and waits to the resurrection, it is so simple. When, when we, when we, as you said, you brought up, there's 1700 times where the Bible talks about the soul. You would think that if God wanted us to believe in the immortal soul, that at some point there he would have mentioned it. Yeah. That's right. If we got a lot of opportunities. If we take a survey of all of these verses, if we make a weight of evidence argument about the soul and look at these verses and say, oh, well, does do these verses say anything about the soul being immortal and we can't find it, then you just have to come to the conclusion, oh, wait, this, I don't have an immortal soul that goes immediately to heaven as soon as I die. Okay, so where does this idea come from? It comes from every single non Christian religion that has ever existed. That believes the lie. Yes. So if you go back to ancient Egypt, for instance, you know, they've got this whole mummification process that the dead go through and it's very detailed and it's very long and there's a book of the dead and the book of the dead explains how as an immortal soul you are able to continue after death and how you are able to, you know, navigate through the afterlife. If you go to the ancient Greeks, uh, for instance, uh, the Republic of Plato, you've got Socrates, says, are you not aware that our soul is immortal and ne- never perishes? Mm. Uh, Socrates argued in a similar tone, saying that the soul is immortal and imperishable and our souls really will exist in Hades. 
Mm. And so you can go on and on. You can look at any animistic religion around the world. And so if you're going to believe in the immortal soul, you have to stop and ask yourself the question, did every single pagan non-Christian religion get it right? Mm. Did they all universally get this one right? Mm. And maybe they did. But it's going to throw up some red flags and it's going to cause you some uh, to cause you to ask some questions straight off the bat. Mm. Like really what is actually going on here? Mm. Okay, let's uh continue here. Let's look at a few verses. The Bible's the, the Bible study gives us a bunch of verses here. Uh, Psalms chapter 115 verse 17. Psalms 115 and verse 17, where the Bible says, The dead cannot sing praises to the Lord, for they have gone into the silence of the grave. Okay, so that's a really interesting one right here, because so often, I mean, how many times have you been to a funeral and the preacher stood up the front and said, you know, the person is in a better place, they're with Jesus, they're praising God, they're singing the, in, the, in the choirs in heaven, you know, etc., 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 the Bible says the opposite of that. Yeah. The Bible says they go down into silence. Yeah, that's right. That's it. They wait for the resurrection. You simply meet this verse with the question, does this sound like someone either A, in heaven, mm. or B, in hell? Mm. And Neither. W- when I read it and I said they cannot sing praises to the Lord, that's something you'll definitely do in heaven. Yes. So I'm like, okay, they're not, not there. And so then the, it, I mean, how weird would that be? We sing praises to God every day here on this earth. Yeah. And you go to heaven and you don't? Yeah. That would be weird. But then it says, have gone down into the silence of the grave. So, okay, hell going down, all right? They've gone, oh, okay, d- they've gone down. They've gone down. Into the- is hell a place that apparently, according to these people, is a place of eternal torture where that's ruled by Satan or something? Uh, will it be a place of silence? silence? Not according to what we are told. No, because it's like it's a place of misery, burning for eternity. Is that silence? No. What we can see here is, you know what this sounds a lot like <laughs> when team. someone dies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, it does. Who would have thought? Mm. Okay, John chapter five, verse twenty-eight and twenty-nine. Mm. John chapter five, verse twenty-eight and twenty-nine. As I find here, the Bible says. And they will rise. Oh, sorry. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of the Son of God. And they will rise again, those who have done good to the experience of eternal life. And those who have continued in evil will rise to experience eternal judgment. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Let's consider this. The Bible talks about a resurrection here. Uh-huh. And where does the Bible say that these people are? Where is, what is their location according to this scripture? The grave. The grave. The Bible is very, very clear about this. The Bible doesn't say the time is coming in which all that are either in heaven or hell will be resurrected. Mm. No, the Bible says there is a time coming in the future when all those that are in the grave mm. will be mm. resurrected. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus could have so easily said the time is coming where I'm going to take all the souls out of heaven and put them back in their bodies and they'll be resurrected. Yeah, and if he had have said that once in the whole Bible... Just once. Just one, he only has to say it once. Then we could say, oh, well, that's what takes place. Uh-huh. But the reality is he never, ever, ever does. Never did. Mm-hmm. Not a single time. And, of course, in relationship to the wicked, that's even really weirder still. Mm. Because this passage here talks about the resurrection of the wicked. 
Does that mean that God is going to go down to hellfire, take all of the souls out of hellfire, put them back in their bodies? Yeah, why? I mean, that makes no sense whatsoever at all. Hasn't their judgment already happened? Like, like they're gone. Why, why would anyone want to do that? Like, what are you going to do with this verse? Yeah. It is so simple when you understand that the dead wait in the grave until the resurrection that takes place when Jesus comes back. Mm. And then you have the last judgment. Mm. And in the last judgment, and you know, we're spending a thousand years here, I know that, but in that last judgment, you're going to have a situation where the wicked have their opportunity to say, look, we do not deserve to be destroyed in hellfire. They get their day in court. Mm. And when they lose that day in court, hellfire happens, they're destroyed, it's all over. Mm. Sin Pain, suffering, sorrow ceases to exist. That's mm. what the Bible says. Yeah, for the old heavens and the old earth have passed away. Like the, the place where hell happens is gone. Absolutely. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, let's jump into our... Quiz question. Okay, final quiz question for the day. It's a fill in the blank, so I'm really, you know. Okay, okay, Lawson, focus. I really focus. have to not fall into the trap of finishing these verses, <laughs> which I always end up doing. Okay. It pains him. You literally see pain go across his face when he says blank, 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 because he wants to say the <laughs> That's words. That's right. Okay. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall blank, blank, blank. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. If you know the answer, if you do, you'll go into the drawer to win our Revive Cafe Cookbooks Volumes 5 and 6. We'll give them to you absolutely for free. You just have to win the draw, and to get in the draw, you just have to answer these questions correctly. And again, this question was, fill in the blank. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall blank, 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 0491-064-669. Okay, text message here says, thanks for clarifying that my view is very strong against abortion. I would never look down or condemn someone that chooses to go through with that. They need our support more than mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. But I'm very convicted on calling out Planned Parenthood people and the rubbish they say. If the choices that led you to pregnancy were not following God's ways, leave it in God's hands. He he knows best and will look after you. Mm. Great text message yeah. right there. No, the real people to blame as <laughs> for causing abortion and, and whatnot. The real the real people who's responsible is men. Oh. Yeah. Like I'll I'll like that that is one hundred percent my my opinion. Yes. I'm I'm very much I'll say I'm I'm very pro-life. Yes, I I I think that abortion is terrible. Yes, and I think that men are responsible for it. I think it's the lack of support of men, it's toxic masculinity, and it's men not taking responsibility that has led to this problem. I think a lot of that is true. I don't think it's. I don't think you make a universal statement on that. No, nah, I'm, I'm making it universal. I just I just no. I just hate all men. Well. Ah, here we go. I make a serious statement and then I subvert it by, by being a troll. <laughs> no, I think that there's a, I think there's a, a, a very much a level of validity to what you mm. are saying, and particularly there's a lot of men out there who, as soon as their partner falls pregnant, they freak out of their mind and demand that their partner get an abortion, mm. who then feels under pressure to do so and does so under pressure from the partner, from parents mm. and so forth, whereas if left to herself, she would probably just go ahead and have the baby. Mm. And, you know, that baby might grow up to be an amazing person to do amazing things. Mm. Um, 
So I th- and, and I think that that is just like the most heinous thing ever when somebody puts pressure on another person to yeah. have an abortion. Wow. Uh, the, on the flip side, I think that any woman who wants to risk pregnancy, mm. and by, say, by risking pregnancy I'm saying to have sex, mm. uh, should require a man to sign a legal contract before she does so that he will actually provide for her and the child. Mm. I, I firmly believe that. I think that is absolutely entirely reasonable that she should not allow that guy to have sex with her until he's signed a legal contract. Mm. But if, the, if a child mm. results, it comes about as a result of what they're doing, then he will provide. That's right. And that legal contract is usually called a marriage. Yeah, it's usually called a marriage certificate. <laughs> wow, surprise, surprise. <laughs> but, yeah, ultimately, it's very much my strong opinion that support solves Support solves abortion. Well, that's where we need to be. That's what we need to be providing. Mm-hmm. You cannot be you cannot be anti-abortion without being pro-support. That's right. Well, hey, we're reading these verses. We are. Oh, we got hey, we sleeping got in the grave. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Ah, Psalms one forty six verse four. Let's go there. See what that one has to say. Mm. Psalms one hundred and forty six verse four. Psalms one forty six and verse four, where the Bible says. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth, and all their plans die with them. Okay, so this is interesting. Why do their plans die with them? Because their thoughts die. Mm. You know, we have lots of plans. We breathe our last. They're all over. Mm. Simple as that. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. Matthew 10 and verse 28, as I... Find here on the page, Matthew 10 and verse 28. The Bible says, Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both body, both soul and body in hell. Interesting verse right here because a lot of people just focus on the first couple of lines of that and they're like, oh, you know, we've got this uh, differentiation between the soul and the body and so forth and miss the fact that here the Bible says that in hellfire both the soul and the body are destroyed. Mm. So this goes against the popular narrative once again because the popular narrative says that the body doesn't go to hell. Well, it Mm. actually says so here. Uh, The popular narrative also says that in hellfire you don't get destroyed. Well, the Bible says that you do. Mm. So these are really important um, issues to take into consideration. We've got a bunch of verses here. If you've got questions, I'm sure you do, so send them through for question of the day. Let's make a list of questions for question of the day. But let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we do need to read these verses before we finish up. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse starting verse 51. Mm. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51. 51, the Bible says, But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Let me read it from the King James. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Uh Yours says die. Mine says sleep. Uh Neither translation is wrong Mm. because both is exactly the same thing. So let's say that you've got an immortal soul. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere, Mm. but let's say that you do. What's the point of having an immortal soul if it sleeps until the resurrection? Yeah, that's right. It's like, well, why have have it immortal? Why not just have a resurrection? Just just wait for the resurrection. Mm. 
And the last verse is very clear that we read just a moment ago. The Bible says, destroy the soul. Mm. You can't destroy something that is immortal. That, that's right. The Bible is crystal clear that the soul will be destroyed. Mm. Okay, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all what? Be transformed. Ah, yes. I don't know about you, but I've got a bit of a list uh-huh. of things I would about me that I would like to be transformed. <laughs> Beginning with my mind and working on from there. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm I'm kind of pretty self-confident already. I really love myself, so I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's a passage in the Bible that talks about somebody who did that. <laughs> I think we read it last week. Wasn't that like Isaiah chapter 14 or Ezekiel chapter 28? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guys, everyone, Lyle, Lyle's calling me Satan. <laughs> did I do that? <laughs> <clears throat> nah, we all know that our self is the problem. Yes. 100%. Self is the problem. Mm. Self is not the solution. Self is what we need to overcome. Mm. And, uh, you know, this whole mantra of, you know, be true to yourself and mm. yourself being the solution is absolutely empty and false. It will get you nowhere. The only way mm. that you will succeed in life is by dying to self and living mm. for Jesus Christ. All right, let's finish out these uh, verses real quick, down to verse 58. Down to verse 58. As I read in the Bible, it continues on. It says, It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye at the last trumpet, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are all living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up by victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For the sting, for the sin for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank you, God. He gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable, always working enthusiastically, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. What an epic passage of Scripture right there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Lawson, have we got some answers for our quiz? We do have some answers for the quiz. Firstly, who is the stone the builders rejected? That would be Jesus. Secondly, according to Psalm 90, how many years are like a day to the Lord? That was a thousand years are like a day. In the book of Revelation, what did John eat that made his belly bitter? He ate a book and that made his stomach bitter. At whose feet were the garments of the men who stoned Stephen death place? That was at Saul's feet. And finally, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up from James chapter 4 and verse 10. So congratulations, everyone who got those questions correct. But right now it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle, our question of the day comes in from Freco, and he asks, Luke 22, 36, 50, and 51, why sell your cloak and buy a sword if you can't use it? Yeah, very good question that we've got right here. Uh, in verse 26, the Bible says, Then he said unto them, But now he that has a purse, let him take it, and likewise his scrip, 
and he that has no sword, let him sell his garment and go and buy one. So why did Jesus tell them to go and buy a sword? Okay, so we back up a little bit and we're going to have a look at some context within this passage. This is just before the crucifixion of Jesus. They are about to face a massive crisis. And as a result of that, uh, Jesus has, you know, Peter said like, oh, I'll go with you wherever you go. I, you know, I will never leave you. And Jesus is like, yeah, really, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows in the morning. And then he goes on, and I want you to notice this in uh, uh, the previous verse. Verse 34, he's, uh, no, so verse 35, he said to them, when I sent you out without purse or scrip and shoes, did you lack anything? And they said nothing. So for three and a half years, the disciples have been with Jesus. He has commissioned them on occasion to go out and to do missionary work by themselves. He gave them no purse with money in it. Mm. He gave them no script. That's not a script. It's a script, so no container with food, no lunchbox. Uh, no shoes, and yet they were provided for. Mm. They lived by faith. And now he turns around and says, well, things have changed now. If you don't have a sword, you need to go and buy one. Up mm. until this point, they hadn't needed a sword because they were protected by God, and now he tells them to go and buy a sword. What's actually going on here? Is Jesus encouraging them to actually literally go out, buy themselves a sword, and form themselves into an army? Mm. We know that he's not for a number of reasons, and those reasons are going to become very clear as you work your way down through the passage, uh, particularly when you come to the next verse. Uh, in verse 36, then, uh, sorry, verse 37 where are we? Yeah, verse 36, be said unto them, Now he that has a purse, let him take it, likewise a script, and he that has a sword, let his, uh, sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that, that, that this, unto you this that is written yet must be accomplished in me. And he was reckoning, reckoned among the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. And then it goes on in verse 38. And they said, Lord, behold, we have two swords. And he said, It's enough. So there's 12 disciples, two of them are packing, two of them have swords. Jesus has just told them, if you don't have a sword, you need to go and buy one. Many people would say, well, Jesus is putting an army together here. They say, we've got two. Jesus says, that's enough. That's all I need. Don't need any more than that. Okay, so now you no longer need to buy a sword. So why did they need to have a sword? Well, the answer is very simple when you look at the teachings of Jesus because we know that Jesus did not need a sword and his followers did not need a sword to protect themselves. In Matthew 26 and verse 53, he says, Don't you know that I can pray to my Father and he will presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? It only took one angel all by himself to uh, destroy the entire Assyrian army, which was the world's superpower at the time. Imagine what 12 legions of angels would do. Uh, when uh, Peter goes on to talk to try and defend Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, put your sword into its place. All that take the sword will perish by the sword. So this is just a couple of hours later. Peter has pulled out his sword to defend Jesus. He has missed, cut off Malchus's ear, and Jesus heals the person and tells him to put his sword away. Mm. Okay, so why, why were two swords enough? The reason that Jesus has said two swords are enough is because they are enough to be able to teach the disciples the lessons that he wants to teach them. 
He wants to teach them, you don't need a sword. Mm. He needs to illustrate that. And for him to illustrate that, this experience needs to happen in the Garden of Gethsemane. You only need one sword for that, so two is plenty. Uh, the other thing that's important here, when Jesus says, you know, if you don't, if you don't have a sword, go and buy one, uh, the sword in the Bible is a symbol of the Word of God and the importance of the Word of God. And so if you look at this, obviously Jesus is not talking literally because of the events that take place immediately thereafter mm. and the statements that Jesus makes immediately thereafter. So obviously, clearly, this is not something to be taken literally. So if it's not to be taken literally, then it's to be taken symbolically. And if it's to be taken symbolically, the most valuable thing that you can have, and if it involves selling your coat to get it, is the Word of God. Mm come to the end of the show and as we come to the end of the show let's all remember that there is a day coming when in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed what an incredible promise we have been given in today's bible study to carry us through this day Fantastic stuff. As you go through this day, don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. By his counsel's guide uphold you, with his sheep securely fold you. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.